Author Peter Kreef notes that every human being in the whole history of the world falls into two of just four categories. Two of just four categories. First, there are people who claim to be God. It's true, there are. Second, people who don't. Third, People distinguished for their profound wisdom will call them sages and non-sages. So there are people who are non-sages who don't claim to be God. They're most of the people throughout human history and everyone here, hopefully. Then there are non-sages who claim to be God. They're either unwell or lying. Next comes the category of sage. Historically, there have been many great and wise figures. A short list would certainly include Confucius, Buddha, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, Aquinas, Augustine, Francis of Assisi, Teresa of Avila, Pope John Paul, Mother Teresa. But here's the point. Wise as they all were, none of them claimed to be God. Jesus is consistently and universally recognized as a sage, often as the wisest sage who ever lived. Most commentators and historians would easily agree that he offers great, often unique insight into living. And he alone, among all of history's sages, claimed to be God. While other sages could say through study and discernment that they had found the way, that they had come to know the truth, that they finally figured out life, only Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Jesus is either Lord or he's a liar or someone suffering from delusions. He didn't leave any other options. As people who have determined to accept him as Lord, we aspire to embrace his sage advice about living. And we need it. Boy, oh boy, do we need it. Because life is complicated and it's complex. We feel it especially this time of year, don't we? The summertime tends to run a little slower, but then fall hits and when it hits, it hits hard. And suddenly, there's more on our plate, there, there's more in our calendar. We have more emails in our inbox. There's more traffic on York Road. There's so much more chauffeuring of kids. There's more school events and school sports. The pace of life just picks up. And the busyness leads to greater complexity. And the complexity of our own situation and choices is matched by the complexity all around us, the complexity of the world we live in. We live in a time of increased societal, political, cultural, and religious upheaval. I don't think that too strong a word, upheaval. Upheaval that is inherently complex. So much that was simply accepted or taken for granted is now questioned. At times it can be difficult to know what to do, who to believe, how to handle it all. It can become overwhelming, especially these past four years. For all of you out there who are parents, educators, 
employers, employees, businessmen and women, small business owners, healthcare providers, students, pastors. It's been difficult for all of us. I can tell you the past four years have been the most complicated complex of my 25 plus years as pastor. And to try and do it all alone and on our own is folly, especially since through Jesus' wisdom and insight, he consistently promises to give us simple direction that cuts through the complication. His sage advice challenges us to let go of ways of doing things that might be habitual or comfortable, but are not productive in the long run, or even in our own best interest. So, over the next five weeks, we're going to look at Jesus' wisdom on some issues that often feel overly complicated, but don't have to be. This wisdom might strike you as challenging, yet if we embrace it despite emotional resistance, you might find yourself living more successfully. This week, we're going to look at just one issue. It's the issue of conflict, especially conflict when somebody has harmed or hurt us, irritated or offended us. And in the interest of transparency, allow me to say that I am perhaps the least qualified person to talk about this. When it comes to conflict, I will do anything to avoid it. And when it is sometimes forced on me, I crumble beneath it. I just totally fold. I'm that adverse to it. Fortunately, our reflection will not depend on my wisdom or experience, but the Lord's. Take a look. In one place, he says this, if your brother sins against you. So Jesus uses that word brother here, but he means anyone really, anyone with whom we have a relationship. This isn't someone off the street. This isn't someone you barely know or someone you know via social media. This is your friend. This is your relative, your coworker, where there's some kind of partnership or relationship or friendship. And he says that if that someone, if someone like that sins against you in any of the myriad ways that people can sin against us, and there are so many, aren't there? They talked about you behind your back. They borrowed money and haven't repaid. They made a promise that they didn't fulfill. They said or did something that was deeply offensive. They didn't hold up their side of the relationship. The relationship is beginning to feel one-sided. And perhaps someone like that has come to your mind right now. Let's acknowledge that in all relationships, there will be hurt and heartache. No matter what relationships you have in life, there will come times when people sin against you and you will sin against others. You will hurt others. It's true, sometimes intentionally, but sometimes unintentionally. In any relationship, something will go wrong at some point. If you're in the wrong, you know what you have to do. You have to acknowledge your fault and failure 
and apologize, maybe even go to confession. That's obvious, but not so obvious. What about when you are the wrong party? What about when you are the aggrieved? Jesus, the greatest sage who ever lived, the wisest man in all of history, addresses that reality very simply. He says, when you are the hurt one, when you are the harmed one, when you are the victim, go and tell the other person their fault. Wait, what? <laughs> go and tell the other person their fault. Don't wait for the offender to come to you. Don't wait for them to apologize for what they did. Instead, you go to them. And I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, no way. I'm not going to do that. Why should I? I didn't do anything wrong. They did. They should come to me. They should apologize. I'm not going to them. It's not fair. And you know what? You're right. It's not fair. But Jesus isn't talking about fair here. He's talking about what it looks like to live according to God's will and God's way. What people who live according to God's will and God's way do. How they act. And Jesus modeled this for us himself. Because when we had sinned against God and turned our back on him, God didn't wait for us to come to him and apologize. He sent his son to come after us. Previous to this passage, Jesus tells the story of the shepherd who leaves his whole flock, 99 sheep, to after just one sheep. He takes responsibility for the lost sheep. Jesus' whole life was like that. It was all about that. It was about coming to the lost. He came looking for the lost. And following his example, Christ's followers take extreme ownership and responsibility for lost and broken relationships the result of sin and selfishness. His followers work as best they can to restore relationships even when, or rather, precisely when it isn't their fault. They value the relationship that much. That's challenging. But then he goes on, and the challenge becomes more challenging. He says, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. You got to do it alone. You don't begin by getting others involved. You don't go to others and talk about the situation unless it's in preparation for speaking directly to the person in question. But bottom line, you go to the person in question one-on-one. -on -one. It's that simple. It's simple. It's not easy. Why? Well, because something in us desperately wants to go to other people and tell them, tell them what happened to us and what the other party did and how wrong they are. We want to go and find allies and build support and tell our side of the story. You know, when we go to anyone, either than the person who hurt us, we're engaging in gossip. What's gossip? with negative and unnecessary conversation about someone else. It can be comforting and comfortable. It can be interesting and even entertaining, 
and it's wrong, and we should try and avoid it. Let's admit a couple of other things, too. It's challenging to go to people who hurt you. It's much easier to go to someone else or anyone else, really. But at best, that's sideways energy. It does nothing to really solve the problem or reconcile the relationship. Let's also admit that most all of us, myself included for sure, have fallen short of this teaching. And yet, and yet, going directly to the person who sinned against us is the most effective, the most efficient approach. Take a look. He says, if he listens to you, you have won your brother over. More than, than just reconciliation, you've built the relationship back up better than before. You've strengthened it. So let me ask you this. How much more peaceful and, and harmonious would your family be if everyone lived this verse? How much more peace and harmony would be in your home if everyone lived out this verse? How much less drama would there be at school? How much healthier and more productive would your workplace or neighborhood be? The answer is obvious. But what if we go to them and they don't listen? Or worse, they re rebuff our, our initiative. That could be embarrassing. That could be mortifying for sure. And yet, Jesus tells us to press on, to take it to the next level, to try again. If he doesn't listen to you, take one or two others along with you. Jesus says that if that initial effort doesn't go well, try again, try a second time. And this is where you can legitimately bring in others. They can serve as an objective third party to moderate the discussion, to turn the temperature down, to bridge the gap. Hopefully the presence of other people and the facts of the case will wake them up to the need to apologize, to repent, to rebuild the relationship. But what if even that doesn't work? Then Jesus says, go and tell the church. Tell the church? What does that mean? Well, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean, come to me. <laughs> so don't do that. Don't come to me. It just means, Give it a third try. It means for the sake of the relationship, give reconciliation a third try. What, what's the significance of three? Well, it suggests fullness, completeness. Really, every effort has been made. And if he still refuses, then walk away. If your repeated very best efforts don't work, then the prudent thing to do is end the relationship recognizing that you just don't share the same values. You simply cannot share fellowship with them, leaving behind as well any bitterness or resentment. How do you best do that? You pray for them. Prayerfully wish the best for them and move on. Jesus advises repeated effort at reconciliation, but most conflicts can 
and do get resolved with the initial effort, such is the power of what Jesus is advising us to do. It's definitely putting ourselves in a vulnerable position for sure, so it is hard work. It's hard work, but in the long run, at the end of the day, it's less work. It's less work than holding on to a grudge. It's less work than running around talking to everybody about the problem except the one person who can actually do something about it. It's less work than allowing anger and bitterness to grow in your heart and infect other relationships. So, who do you need to go to today? What relationship can you work to repair? What relationship is God calling you through this message to repair? Go. Give it a try. Think about it this way. If the wisest sage who ever lived told you which stocks to invest in, how to improve your health, how to raise your kids, you'd listen to him. Well, today that sage is telling you how to reconcile your relationships. So, listen to him. It's simple, and ultimately, it will make a lot of things easier, too. Thanks for watching. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single video. You can be part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples by sharing this video. We're grateful you're part of this community.